Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me for each and every single episode, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. How the heck are you feeling? Let me ask you a question first, because, okay, let's just get it off the bat right quick. Sorry, I haven't let you answer. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling great. Playoff bound, we're, we're, we're doing amazing. How is your head feeling after Saturday night? Because I saw a picture of you or a video of you on Instagram celebrating Old Glory DC's win and clinching their first ever playoff berth. You were at Tight Five Pub, shout out to them, in Washington, D.C., watching the game. What was that concoction, that victory drink you had there? That What was that? Yeah, so I have this uh, tradition every time I go to Tight Five and I'm watching an Old Glory game, if we... If we lose, which has been every other time that I've been to Type Five Pub and watched Old Glory play, because it's all because they're always on the road and they don't have the best road record. But if we lose, I'll take a shot of something just terrible, whatever the cheapest, most terrible uh, liquor they have is. So usually, <clears throat> so usually that's uh, some well tequila, and it's it's terrible. And my. But if we win, I get to take a shot of something nice. And so this time I had some green hat gin, which is excellent. Like the my favorite gin in the entire world. That's a local that's a local DC distillery, right? It used to be. Interesting fact. They started in DC and then if a year or two ago they actually or they opened up some extra production facilities in Tennessee and now they're only producing in Tennessee. They closed down their DC. Uh, distillery, which is disappointing, but I still count it as decent. It's basically still a DC gin. So, yeah, so I love my me some green hat, and so I had half green hat and half vermouth, so basically a martini in a shot glass, and it was delicious. And I I will not hear any criticism of that shot because it was it was fantastic. Well, AKP, I hope to one day. Um share one of those shots with you. I'm not much of a martini guy. I'm uh, I'm your classic meat and potatoes beer guy, but, you know, if it comes for Old Glory DC clinching a playoff berth, maybe tonight I'll try that. I think my wife's got some, some gin, and I'll, I'll try and put that concoction together and not throw up afterwards. But anywho, AKP, the reason why we're in a good mood is, again, we got a lot to talk about. The Old Glory DC, as we just mentioned, secured their first ever playoff berth. Now, here's the interesting thing, right, as we're going to talk about here in this episode. They've clinched their berth, but we don't know if they're going to be the second seed or the third seed yet. Those pesky New York iron workers are all of a sudden starting to regain some form. They could chase DC down. A lot to play for these next two rounds. So, AKP, right off the bat here, I mean, what do you think is the focus for these remaining two games for Old Glory DC? Is it to lock down that two seed and host that Eastern Conference Eliminator game? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a, a pretty key focus. That'll make a a pretty diff- big difference, you'd have to imagine, in our ability to, to make a deep run into the playoffs. You know, the, the difference between playing here versus playing in New York. Um, assuming New York is the... Uh, the other team in the playoffs but that's that's pretty much settled at this point lent would have to pull off something pretty fantastic to steal that spot from new york um yeah so it's gonna be 
I guess, trying to get that two seed, but also trying not to get too banged up in the process. No point grabbing the two seed if you get half the team injured because you're just going all out. So we might see some some players rested or some players switched onto the bench a little bit earlier than than we've seen in the past. Yeah, it's an interesting dilemma here, right? And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shout out, I heard an interview recently, New England head coach Scott Matthew was on the Jacks Rangers show, and the Jacks Rangers show crew asked Scott Matthew, hey, New England just locked down the first seed. What do you think is going to happen here for the remaining three games? You're going to rest players. And Scott Matthew said, I've got a, I'm going to paraphrase here, I've got a, a locker room full of competitive mofos. And I got to imagine that's the same thing in Old Glory, D.C. locker room, right? Yes, they're happy that they clinched. I got to imagine they're happy they clinched their playoff spot. But I don't think they're just going to sit back and rest and let these two, these next two rounds just go by the wayside and have an opportunity for the two seed to slip away. And then they have to go on the road for the Eastern Conference eliminator game, presumably that being hosted by New York here. So I think, right, It's it, what is that balance between resting and still giving it at all? And I got to re- imagine that crew in that Old Glory DC locker room is going to want to give it their all. And it's we're still going to have an exciting two rounds here. So let's really, let's talk real quick. Through 16 rounds, Old Glory DC, six wins, seven losses, one tie. Second place right now in the Eastern Conference still. One table point above New York Iron workers. Woo boy. The playoff odds, DC, 100%. We lock that in. AKP, give us the rest of the breakdown for that third seed. Who is still in? Nola Gold, presumably out. Atlanta's in it. New York, break it down for us. Yeah, so Nola Gold is, is mathematically eliminated. They are 11 points behind the number three seed, the current third place, and they only have two games, so maximum 10 points they can get. They're out. Um, Atlanta, though, is at 27 points to New York's 30, uh, 37 points, so that puts them within range, theoretically. Um, but it would be it would be an impressive turnaround. And according to my model, my my model when I'm I'm making these predictions, um, it's simulating the season 10,000 times to and seeing how many times each thing happens. Um, and in the 10,000 simulations, Atlanta didn't make it even once. Now, theoretically, mathematically, they can still make it. The scenarios that would have to happen, they would have to win both of their games, maximum five point, um, zero, you know, full, full out all bonus points. And New York would have to lose both of theirs, no bonus points and, um, the odds of all of that happening together just make it incredibly unlikely. But so we're going to jump around here, but let's talk about this real quick because obviously in round 17, Old Glory DC is going on the road Friday night against Houston. Big match. Hey, Rugby ATL is hosting New York Iron Workers on Saturday evening. Such a massive match. Of course, ATL, their season on the line. They have to get that bonus point win if they want to stay in it. It's going to be exciting. I mean, I, I'm New York has the advantage that they can sit back and watch what's going to happen in that Old Glory DC game on, on Friday night. Of course, Atlanta's going to see that as well, so that'll play a little bit into the calculus of what's going to happen there. But um, the good thing is, is it's a pretty favorable, I mean, I should say comparable, right? Old Glory DC's taking on Houston. They're still in the Western Conference chase, obviously. They're in third. <laughs> 
New York is t- taking on Atlanta in round 17. You flip it to round 18, right? Old Glory DC is taking on Atlanta at home. And then New York is hosting Utah, which is still in it. And hopefully they'll still be in it uh, at the last round of the regular season. So there's a lot of moving parts, but of course, everyone's trying to win. And that's what we're, we're talking about here. I mean, AKP, I'm, um, I'm a ball of nerves here. Um, <laughs> after watching that that Nola Gold game, I got to say, let's talk about the first half. Let's talk about the game against Nola Gold. A little nervy, a little testy, a little bit of a hot mess down there. What was your reaction uh, to the game? Give me, give me your feedback. Yeah, yeah, we were. It was a pretty sloppy game, and you know, I was I was talking last week about <laughs> winning when there are reasons you should lose. There were p- plenty of reasons we should have lost this game, but I think in the end, we were the better team. We were the more effective team we um i mean we really locked down on defense after the 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 first five minutes or so the first five minutes we were terrible on defense missing tackles all over the place um just sliding off tackles and that was something that there were a few tackles later on in the game too where we just we hit the guy and then he slipped out and he kept going and that you know that sort of thing is going to be absolutely killer if we want to actually have some serious chance in the playoffs if we want to beat houston to even you know like host a a two host a playoff game like we we need to be completing those tackles because we've got everything else is is pretty much right with our defense we do a pretty good job of of covering out wide we do a pretty good job of um, getting into shape of hitting the right people of not leaving people uncovered but then if you can't stick those tackles and those absolutely important tackles where there's just one guy hitting hitting the guy and you know if you don't take him down well now he can keep going he can take out another tackler he can offload to someone who's now uncovered cuz that tackler had to go tackle the first guy and so it it really undoes a lot of the good work if if someone is missing tackles like that now we managed to, to compensate for it pretty well. I mean, they really only got one try. There was that penalty try, but I, f- I feel like that was a tough call against us right at the end. Other than that, we did a really good job on defense. And that goal line defense, ugh, beautiful. Glad you brought that up. Please, yeah, talk about it. Because that, really, that, that was a real critical moment there in the match. Yeah. Early on. Yeah, and it... it it shows something that we've we sort of haven't seen from Old Glory in a little bit, which is just that ability to actually stop them at the gain line. Because when you're on the goal line, you you don't have you can't soften on defense at all. Like normally, if you're in the middle of the field and they fall forwards for an extra couple meters, it doesn't matter as long as you can push them back a couple meters the next time. It's fine. You don't need to. You don't there can be some give and take on on how much ground they're gaining when you're right on the goal line you've got to keep them behind the game line you can't let them get close to the goal the goal line because it they'll just get over it and so being able to showing that we really can hit them hard behind the game line stop them from getting over the game line and stop them from getting over the goal line that it's a grit and a physicality that i feel like we haven't really seen for a little while from old glory in general, we've tended to let people score if they can get down there. Yeah, I gotta say, I was really impressed with that goal line defense. And if you notice the past couple of games, Old Glory DC usually 
came out and, and got on the scoreboard first, scoring a try first. In this case, it didn't happen in this game. Noel Gold, right off the bat, within the first few minutes, scored a try. Thinking, wow, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be intense. Like Noel Gold's ready to play, but as you said, the defense started to really come together. Look, if you tell me that Old Glory's only going to give up 15 points for a game, then I'm going to tell you Old Glory's got a really good shot of winning that one because I think we can score a ton of points and we've proven it. After that first try, yeah, there was that penalty try, but defense locked out. Granted, Nola didn't play very well. I didn't think they played their best game, but if you look down on paper, the players that they have there in that back line, J.P. Duplessis is one of the best centers in league. The guy can just run for miles. We bottled him up pretty well. And yeah, of course, I think Jordan Trainer had, you know, over 200 meters gained. But, you know, hey, we contained him, right? He, he's still able to have big plays, but it wasn't enough for him to help Noel Gold score a bunch. So, so again, I hearken back to, hey, we only gave up 15 points. That's a great defensive effort. I don't care how poorly or how many mistakes the other team made. We gave up only 15 points. That's a great defensive effort. Case in point, that goal line stand that you just brought up. I mean, of course, there were some there were some dodgy things as well. Um, our box kicking. I'm just going to go on the box kick right now. The soapbox is yours, please. I want you to take over. I wanted to talk about some other things before we got here, but man, I've been stewing on <laughs> box kicks all weekend, and we weren't the only team that was guilty of this. So Danny Tusatala, he's a he's a pretty good box kicker. I mean, he's a good scrum half, but he is not the best kicking option we have in open play. He's he's probably the third best. You know, Bowd is better than him and Tito is better than him. Both of them should be kicking before Danny is kicking. And box kicks in general were just not good at them. Like the box kicks frequently were not traveling where they're supposed to you know, there's a there's a way you're supposed to kick box pick kicks a location they're supposed to land they're supposed to go close to the goal line but not over they're supposed to you know give a they're supposed to go high um and not too far so that your wingers have a chance to challenge for them but also go far enough that you're not just giving the ball to your opponent you know 10 meters from where you kicked it and the box kicks were going all over the place. Our wingers were not doing a great job of challenging them. Like, they weren't getting up in the air to try and catch them. Uh, Nola was easily catching every one of those high balls. And so it just ended up being... We just ended up turning it over. We could have we could have just knocked it on and given them the ball that way. It, it wouldn't, you know, just hand them the ball wherever we are if we want to do it that way. The, it, the box kicks really were not accomplishing anything. And partly... It's a strategy thing. It's a, it's a, our the way our team is built and what they're they're used to doing is not challenging box kicks, and so it's not something they're good at. And I don't understand why we're trying to change that. There's other things we can do, other ways we can clear our lines, other other approaches we can take, and just box kicking the ball away all the time. And especially, we're pretty good with ball in hand. I don't understand why we insist on kicking it away. And there's a lot of... I mean, this is something where I guess I'm disagreeing with the um, the analysts of the rugby world who say that kicking is almost always a good idea. And teams that kick more tend to win more. But there's good kicking and there's bad kicking. That doesn't mean you just... I think they've got it the wrong way around. It's, if we held on to the ball and we pushed more and we, we got on the front foot and then... 
you know, Danny was doing a quick box kick off the front foot while their defense is not ready for it, that would be totally different to this, you know, everyone knows you're going to box kick like a minute and a half before you actually get it up and they know exactly where it's going and they know you're not going to be able to challenge for it. And it just, you know, that's how that first try was scored. We we put up a box kick. They attacked us in the open, the the um, the broken defense we had because we were all out of out of sorts because it was a box kick and now the the line defensive line isn't set and it's just and we're very vulnerable when when our defense gets out of out of shape and so I, I don't get why we're doing it to ourselves. It just seems to have no advantages and every disadvantage. And I would love to hear, if anyone is listening to this and wants to reach out and tell me why I'm wrong, I would love to hear it, because I genuinely cannot think of a reason why I'm wrong. Hey, KP, I love that. I've got a, I got a future interview segment. I'm going to have to reach out to the guy on Twitter. There's this guy in England who, who breaks down plays. I want to reach out to him, ask him the question, have him come on the episode, and we could talk about box kicking. <laughs> that's, that's how you turn off listeners. We're going to talk about box kicking for 20 minutes, but I... It makes me think about um, you know years over the last few years. Just the I'm going to go to uh, the cousins of, of of rugby, and that's American football. The NFL for the longest time, you know, the safest predictable thing to do on fourth down was you know depending on where you're on the field was to punt the ball, right? Because that's what you're expected to do. That's orthodox. Your fan base isn't going to get yelling at you if it's like fourth and seven and you're punting at your own forty or something like that. But they crunched the numbers and they determined that depending where on the field you were, it actually made more sense and increased your winning percentage if instead of punting the ball on fourth down, you, you went for it and you got it. Or if it was like fourth and goal at the three, instead of kicking for a field goal, you ended up going for it and you scored a touchdown, right? I'd love to see some more of that thinking in. And do we always have to absolutely box kick here? Can we do something else, right? Can we, yeah, do we have, you know, like... The fly half kicks it, or we run it more, or we do something else besides what you just said. We know the box kick is coming, and if we're not attacking in the air, if our wingers aren't getting there, if they're not you know, the greatest leapers or great at securing the ball, then why are we doing this if the other team knows it's coming and it's not working for us and we're giving up tries? So I'm going to reach out to that guy on Twitter. Maybe we'll have him on and we'll talk about box kicking. I'll just sit back and... And watch your, watch you just get upset about box kicking <laughs> tactics and strategy. But anywho, we're going off track there. I apologize. So yeah, definitely an, an area of concern. This is something you've brought up over the past couple of episodes. But that wasn't the only kind of kicking issues though we were having during the game. We left quite a few t- points out there. What, what was going on there with some of our goal kicking, AKP? I mean, damned if I know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, both both Tito and Graydon were taking kicks. I, I mean, Tito started out taking kicks, missed like the first three or something, and then Graydon took the next two and missed those as well. And it just, I think we left 10 points in conversions on the board. I mean, it's hard to score 28 points on five tries, but we did it. <laughs> and if you think about it, if we'd made those conversions, we would have been up at 38 points, which is a very respectable score. And, and I, th- I think maybe just a, an aberration, because I would say if, yeah. for the most part across the board, both Tito and Grady have done such a good job at, at goal kicking, because a lot of our, I'd love to see the breakdown on, on where Old Glory scores tries on the field, but I feel like there's been so many 
in the corners on both sides, tough angles, tough conversions. Yet I would say we, we've nailed a pretty good most of them, but it is a little concerning <laughs> that we're, we're missing some that normally have been made before. And look, you know, sometimes you just you have a bad day. So It could have been the wind, too. I mean, there were a lot of kicks going all over the place that day. There was... I, I talked about how the box kicks weren't going where they were supposed to. Maybe it was just sometimes in stadiums you can get if the wind's from the right direction you can get a you can get different wind high up than you get at field level and you know maybe maybe it's just that the the wind up at the higher levels was was messing everyone up because they also didn't make their their kicks. I think they got got one penalty kick but they missed another penalty kick and they missed their conversion so there was only one successful kick all game i think or no we made a penalty kick as well i think just before halftime so we're only a couple of successful kicks all game which is is impressively bad yeah there's definitely i love how each the different stadiums right whether you're playing in a baseball stadium or rugby stadium or a soccer pitch the local wind conditions definitely play into it, uh, and it is fascinating to watch the adjustments and, and the home wind advantage. Maybe maybe that's a new thing, an MLR home wind advantage. But uh, AKP, I want to close out a little bit of this NOLA goal with just some miscellaneous fun stuff here, and this segment is called My Favorite Canadian. My Favorite Canadian this week, Oh <laughs> Glory DC Lock, Kyle Bailey, the big fella, rumbling down. Getting the defender to turn his back and the big man. Man, they made him sit through the TMO. That was a try. Why do you make him have to sit through that TMO? Everyone knew that was a try. Come on. Yeah, I'm not even sure what the question... I mean, like, the ball came out, but only because he'd already smashed it into the ground. <laughs> Beautiful try. And it's impre- He's He's been so impressive since joining the team. And he's he was the uh, captain because Jamma was out. You know, to to come into a team halfway through the season, you know, get like four or five games in and be the the captain of the team. That's that shows some leadership ability. I agree. Let's talk about Jamma there for a second. That was something I was going to get to in this little miscellaneous section here. Um, n- noticeable that you know Jamma was was not available in, in, in a very important match there. Rest, injury, hopefully nothing to be concerned about. What are you thinking? Because, uh, you know, obviously my, my brain, you know, I'm going to take the worst case scenario and I'm freaking out. But uh, call me down here, AKP. What's going on with JAMA? Yeah, I don't, I don't know um, officially. I mean, they haven't said anything. My conspiracy brain is saying that they waited until they saw how the Atlanta game went and they saw that they could, they were going to have a, a bit of an easier time securing the playoffs and they decided to hold JAMA out. Um, but he he definitely had a shoulder injury last time we saw him, so it could be that he he damaged his shoulder quite quite seriously and was held out. But I guess I guess we won't really know until he he's either in this Houston game or he's not. Something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, looking at that match day twenty three, it was awesome to see Doug Frazier lining up there in the centers. Looks like we're trying to get Frazier eligible for the playoffs. Thoughts there on, on that? Yeah, I don't know why we haven't been using him more this season. He's He was one of the best tacklers last year in the back line, and it seemed like 
Sims was picking in part based on just defensive willingness to be a to tackle and and be a, an aggressive defender. So I'm so, so sort of surprised that he hasn't been a bigger part of this team. But you definitely need to have options available. He's a very versatile player. He can play center. He can play wing. So you know, just get him available for the playoffs because otherwise, you know, if you don't have him and then you need him, you're going to be kicking yourself. He's officially my second favorite Canadian, behind only Kyle Bailey. So thank you, Doug. Looking at the match day 23, I was super excited to see our boy Koi Koi Nelligan make the squad. Unfortunately, Koi Koi did not see the field. Man, I would have loved to see him play there those last few minutes. Yeah, once we hit, once it was pretty much guaranteed that they were not going to be able to... We needed to not let them get two bonus points. That was the, the goal. Because if they got two bonus points, they still would have technically been within playoff range we wouldn't have had the the playoffs the playoff spot locked in um and but we already had them they weren't they weren't gonna by the the last couple of minutes they weren't gonna get four tries we knew that so they might get the losing bonus point but i i would have put koi koi in personally just give him a chance can be such a, a difference maker just getting a sense of the level even just from a few minutes of play so I'm not gonna, not gonna be too upset about that. Yeah, I, I think um, no. We'll see. Maybe we'll see him out there uh, against Houston or, or Atlanta. I'd love to see Koi Koi take the field for Old Glory DC. AKP, was there any other players that you want to to highlight that played well? Yeah, I wanted to point out Marcos Young. He came back. He was out for a week because he was injured. Um, hot take: I think he's our best winger. He is so aggressive on the wing. He's so he I was looking at the his fantasy stats. He's actually one of the the best in terms of like making the game line. He's, he's I think he's got the most meters gained in the back line or it's pretty close to it. Certainly the most per minute that he's been on the field and I don't know why we haven't been using him more actually. He's come off the bench a lot, but he's a really really good player. And then I also wanted to point out that we had... It's an interesting substitution thing where we actually had three players play at tight head. So we had... Jack Iscaro stayed as loose head the entire match. And usually Quinton Newcomer comes on for him. But instead what we had was Newcomer came on to replace Kyle Stewart. uh, Sort of 50-ish minutes in. And then Newcomer was replaced by... Callie Martinez towards the end end of the match, like seventy ish minutes. So we we didn't we <laughs> we had three players play tight head, which was interesting. I've <laughs> I'd be curious to know why. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what's going on with Romero Herrera. Maybe we're just giving the big fella um, maybe a little more rest, or you know maybe he's you know he's got an injury or something we're not aware of. You know, I'd love to know what. What's going on with him? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm our lock position. You know, we've got the, the steady veterans and, and Kyle and Tavita. We're seeing Colin Gross coming off the bench, which was probably more of the expected role he was going to have. And look, if we can get a high intense forty minutes from Colin Gross, take it. You know, I love it. But yeah, do you know? I, again, I think our our, our our tight five has been pretty solid all season long. 
Um, and, and I hope I'm hopeful that these selection processes is because we're maybe getting guys healthy for an important stretch. But it is curious to see a couple of guys and what's going on there with three tight head props there in that in that Nola game. Okay, so AKP, let's talk. Let's just quickly review this this final stretch. We've been doing this the last few weeks. We were coming back from the second bye. We had a very intense seven weeks, right? At Dallas, win. Home against New England, fortunately a loss. At Toronto on a short, short turnaround, got the tie there. Home against Seattle, got the loss. At Nola, we identified that game as a must win. They won that one. Our next two games now are on the road against Houston and then home Atlanta to close out the regular season. We've secured our spot in the playoffs. We're gunning for that second seed. Let me ask you, AKP, what needs to happen for OGDC to lock up that number two seed in these final two regular season matches? Yeah, so I crunched the numbers and looked at, at how many games we would need to win. If we go 0-2 over these last two games, we've got a 13% chance of, of locking up that second seed. If we go 1-1, one one, then it's a 51% chance of of locking it in, which is pretty much just because we've got that that one point lead over New York right now. And then if we go two and zero, we've got a ninety two percent chance of locking in that top seed. Um, so it's it's sort of it's interesting in that there's there's not a lot there. It basically, it we we just need to do better than New York in these final two games. We've both got very similar schedules to close it out, and if we can. If we can do well in these final two games, if we can go one and one, but we get two bonus points off of, say, Houston, then that that puts us in a pretty good place. If we go two and zero, oh, we're we're pretty likely to to take it. If we don't if we don't win any of the games, well, we might might still make it to the to the two seed if if we get bonus points and New York kind of struggles, which is not impossible. So let's talk about round 17 real quick, where we're at. Again, D.C. in second place, 38 points, clinched the playoff spot, trying to figure out the second or third seed. New York, third place, one point behind us, 37 points. Atlanta still technically in it. They've got 27 points, but they essentially need two bonus point wins and New York to win. They lose their remaining matches for Atlanta to have a shot at squeaking in to the third spot here. So... Old Glory DC, really big match Friday night, traveling, going down to Houston to take on the Sabercats. This is a Sabercats team that maybe quietly is 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 um, in the playoff chase. And I say quietly because San Diego, we know about them in the Western Conference, 11 straight wins. Crazy that they haven't even locked up the number one seed overall yet because you have Seattle, who's 12-2, yeah. who just beat uh, Utah in an exciting Sunday night match. Seattle could still overtake San Diego for the number one spot. And now you've got Houston, who's in third place. They are ahead of the Utah Warriors by four table points. Houston's nine and five, and maybe quietly nine wins. Let me ask you, AKP, what do we know about this Houston team, really? Are they good? Are they coasting? Like, are they scary because people are maybe sleeping on them a little bit? Yeah, they're... They're a bit difficult to read because they're they started out the season really really well. They looked really good and were sort of one of the teams that looked 
most likely to make the playoffs. And then they sort of fell off that quite a bit. And now they're, according to my model, they're now right about around average. Like they're, they actually, we and them are pretty much, it's like Utah, Houston, New York, and us right in the, right around average. They're like just slightly above. And frankly, that reflects their recent results. They've been, they've been winning games, but they haven't been impressive. And when I, when I, been watching them there's it seems like and this is a little bit weird because they've got a south african influence a strong south african influence and usually that means forwards heavy you know everything on physicality but i actually think that their forwards are the weaker half of their team i think the the forwards are somewhere where we can can win on attack like putting pressure on their forwards putting having our forwards really try and drive it up through the middle, which is how you earn space on the, the outside to to get our our wings and our, our centers into some space. I think that's going to be the key to, to beating them there. Um, which seems weird to say, you know. Challenge Houston's forwards is not sort of normal advice. Yeah, you're 100 right. Like going into it, they're very much going into this regular season. So much that South African influence from from Heineke Meyer, uh, Human Pote. Don't want to fight that guy, um, obviously, but um, he can take a punch. But um, yeah, that definitely that that South African influence of you know big big forward pack, and they're going to play physical. But you know, when I was looking at the standings, I was surprised to see how many points that. Um, Houston has given up on defense. I mean, they haven't done that much better than Utah. And Utah is a team that likes to play fast and loose. So they're susceptible to giving up points. And Houston's only, I think, given up three less points. Points against, yeah, so far this season, which in my mind bodes well for Old Glory DC as this is a game where they can try um, really attack there on, on offense. And, yeah, if you look at Houston, that back line, they've got some playmakers out there unfortunately yeah. for them they are missing their 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 fly half who's probably having i would say probably the best season at, at fly half and 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 davy um Koitzer, you could throw patros in that mix there but um is having a really good game but if you look down that back line you've got some eagles in there christian dyer can is a, is a great player dominic dominic aquinas scoring a lot of points i mean i'm just going down the list here lou ritz vanderskiff who missed a couple of games because of knee injury drew wild Tiki Solomoni, he's a guy that can run and score. I mean, you got Kari Labascane. I was trying to put a South African accent on that. He's a guy that that is a big threat out there on the wing. I mean, and their eight-man um, for Houston, Gideon Van Wick. I think I pronounced his name right. He he He's had back-to-back games at one point where he scored two tries, and I think there was even three tries he scored in one game. So, like, they can certainly score points. Um, yeah. So I got to ask you, AKP, you mentioned a little bit attacking the forwards. Is that how we beat this? How does Old Glory DC beat this Houston Sabercats team? Yeah, I think on attack, it's 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 build up pressure in the, the midfield with the forwards. Try and, try and get over the gain line with the forwards. That'll open up space for the backs. You know, let your player, your fast players, Penny Lasanga, Marcos Young, you know, let Willie Talatena really have a crack at, at breaking open the the backs once you've once you've earned that space in the forwards. 
and importantly, do not box kick. Do not box kick ever. <laughs> and uh, I mean that's kind of a joke, but it's also true. Like we we can't just be giving away possession, and and this goes to to defense too. Um, the real threat defensively is their back line. Their back line is terrifying, and so what we have to do is is prevent what we want to do to them. We need to maintain our shape. We need to keep patient. We need to force them to beat us with their forwards, um, hold their forwards back enough that, that they can't really open up space for their backs. We need to stick our tackles because if we let their guys get slip out of tackles and get on the front foot and then offload... Their backs will destroy us. Their backs are, are, are really, really, really good. And this is why we, again, cannot box kick. Because if we box kick to those backs, and we have to be careful kicking in general, because if we kick to those backs, they are really good at exploiting broken play. And I really don't want to see our guys one-on-one -on -one against them in broken play, because I, th I think they'll lose that battle. We've got some great backs as well, don't get me wrong, but there's no reason to tempt fate there. That's their strongest asset, and we shouldn't be helping them out by giving them the ball. You know, I wonder how... I Yeah, I agree with totally. I wonder, and this is the part that I'm always fascinated about, I'd love to see how we're going to match up with our player selections, right? We haven't seen Junior Sound in a little bit. I think he was maybe coming back from a little bit of injury to see. We'll see if he's out there to match physicality, you know, be a physical player out there. Is, is, uh, I love Penny Lasanga because, I mean, he can rip one, but, I mean, he's not the most – I wouldn't call him a great defensive asset out there on the wing. He's a game-breaker, certainly, and we certainly need that. But be interesting to see if Kurt Baker slots back in right there yeah. um, at full back. You know, and if, if Jamma's going to be back and if he's healthy, do you slide him back at eight? Do you put Nico back at flanker? You know, some some stuff to think about, some combinations um, to play with for, for Josh Sims and the old glory DC coaching staff there. But uh, it's going to I always say this every week. It could potentially be a shoot <laughs> shootout in the sense that, you know, if you want to see some fast rugby, you want to see some high-scoring games, this this could be circle one as, hey, Friday night lights. This could be a fun one to watch. Yeah, both teams want bonus points. AKP, this is the part of the episode where we move to the match score prediction. Before we give our predictions, what does the model say is going to happen here? So the model has Houston by six. And like I've said, you know, we're pretty close to Houston, according to the model, but this match is on the road, and that really gives the edge to Houston. Whew. I'm going to take the pressure off. You all go first here on this one. I think they got a shot here uh, in this Houston game. I think Old Glory has a lot to play for in the sense that there's a real opportunity here that I think Rugby ATL, looking at the other match that New York is going to play in round 17, I think Rugby ATL, it's game to try and knock off, knock down New York, that there's just so much for Old Glory DC to play for and trying to lock up that two seed that I think we're going to get some guys back a little bit healthy. I think we're going to move some players around. I think we'll see Kurt Baker back. I think Jam will be back. We'll put Nico at flanker. I think we can attack there we follow your advice and we limit the box kicks we spring william talataina he had a little bit of a quiet game against Nola. i could see him making some moves and, and having a you know a big game for us here that i like old glory dc 
on the road to reinforce and to show the rest of the Eastern Conference and all those fans dogging the Eastern Conference that nobody outside of New England is good in the Eastern Conference. How can a team with a losing record make the playoffs? I think Old Glory DC is going to show something here. I have them beating Houston. I like them beating Houston by five. Statement win here for Old Glory DC. I like it. I like a confident prediction. I'm, I feel like it'll be close, whatever happens. And I'm going to take DC by one. I think, I think it really goes down to the wire. And I think both teams are going to really, really want it. And yeah, I see this one being really, really, really close. We will see what happens there. That's a Friday night. Let's quickly go through the rest of our picks for round 17. Really big, really big slate here. We got six games again, full full action taking place. Of course, Houston hosting D.C. Friday night. That's the first one in round 17. And then on Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, Dallas at home taking on NOLA Gold. What does the model say here at KP? So the model has Dallas by six points over NOLA uh, because the the model really doesn't think NOLA is very good anymore. Um, they, you know, they spiked in the middle of the season, were really good, and then they're now it actually has them below Dallas, Dallas at home. So Dallas by six points. What do you think is going to happen? Honestly, I kind of think that could be the case. <laughs> Dallas has looked a lot better recently. Nola has, it's been a while since they've done anything particularly impressive. I'm going to take it by a closer margin. I think Dallas by three, maybe. I've been going back and forth on this in the last two minutes, and I've changed my mind. I'm with you. Let's go Dallas. Third win of the season. Dallas by five. <laughs> yeah, it would be great for them, too. They've had it had it tough. You always love to see a home win, too. Absolutely. Let's move on. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Atlanta at home, taking on New York. This is going to be a fun one here. What does the model say is going to happen in this one? The model has it really close, but New York by one. Ooh, what do you think is going to happen? I think it's... The model is overrating New York and underrating Atlanta a little bit, so I'm going to take Atlanta by maybe three. I think it's going to be close. It's honestly, nothing would surprise me in this match. Yeah, I'm there with you. Nothing would surprise me in this match. As much as I want Rugby ATL to win this one, I think New York is starting to show some form here, um, which makes me a little bit nervous. But um, looking ahead to a potential Eastern Conference uh, eliminator, Round of DC versus New York. Hopefully that one is at Segra Field. I think New York probably pulls this one off and just eliminates Atlanta from, from playoff contention. I think New York wins this one probably. I'm gonna go by I'm gonna go seven. Ugh. Saturday night, Utah at home hosting the Chicago Hounds. Utah needs a win in this one. What does the model say here, AKP? Model has them getting it with change. Um, 12 points for Utah. Which, frankly, seems accurate. Or maybe an underestimate. I'll take Utah by, I don't know, 20. Whoa, 20. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, this one's tricky. Um, Chicago, you know, they're showing some 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 signs. They're always going to be a competitive bunch, you know, as we talked about through 50, 60 minutes. Utah, that was an intense game against Seattle on Sunday night. I think Utah, hopefully Joe, Joey Mono, their winger, is okay. Two tries Sunday night. Looked like he got a little banged up on that midair collision. Hopefully he's fine and plays. If he, even if he doesn't, Paul Asike's back for um, Utah, which is great to see even for the men's Eagles looking ahead to that fall schedule. This is a game that Utah, you know, has to win if they want to continue to to, to hang with 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 Houston and get a shot at taking the three seed. That I think Utah wins this one. They play so well in front of that loud crowd there at Zion's Bank Stadium. That yeah, I think Utah wins this one. I'm gonna get them. I don't know if it's twenty, but uh, I'll say Utah by by eight. And then we move to Sunday. The Toronto Arrows taking on the San Diego Legion. San Diego just won their 11th straight win, setting the new MLR consecutive win streak record. AKP, what's the model say is going to happen here? I mean, unsurprisingly, that the record will continue to be extended. San Diego by 11 points. And honestly, that feels generous to Toronto. So, uh, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to dog on the arrows they've had a tough go these last three years during covid playing in atlanta come back you know their 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 home away schedule is tricky at the beginning of the season they can't really play at home on the arrows there um san diego they still have a lot to play for right seattle could could chase them down and seattle has a big game on sunday night but san diego they, they have no business uh losing this one they're the best team in the western conference arguably the best team in major league rugby right now just set a new mlr record yeah i think san diego wins this one probably pretty comfortably i'll say 17 uh and then sunday yeah sorry go ahead oh i just never actually gave a score for that one i'll just put them at 22 utah and san diego both winning by 20 i love those big yeah I like that. that's a big marker to put down i love it Final game of round 17 should be a doozy. Seattle at home hosting the New England Free Jacks. That's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. I'll be staying up for that one. Again, Seattle. The only thing that makes me nervous about this game is they had quite a few players leave that Utah game. Rhino Herbst came off. It looked like he was holding his elbow or something. He, You could kind of hear the audio. He was definitely, definitely grimacing. I don't know if he'll be available. AJ Alatimu, who's been teaming up really well with Jordan Chait, uh, fly half, looked like AJ Alatimu was kind of grabbing at his knee. Not sure what that means. That makes me um, a little bit nervous. Riker Hatting, their captain and eight man, he is still coming back from an injury. I don't think he'll be available. Don't know. Who? AKP. Uh, what does the model say is going to happen in this one? The model has New England by five. Oh, wow. But the model thinks that New England is the best team to have ever played in MLR. Which really? I I heavily question. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Give me your prediction for the game. I'll take Seattle by three, and I think it's a low-scoring game. I think both teams are both teams have very good defenses, and I think they struggle. I think the total for the game is under forty. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with you on this one, AKP. I I, I think Seattle um, plays well at home. I think they're gonna be up for the challenge. New England's definitely gonna be up for it. They want to demonstrate to others 
around MLR that um, you know they can play with the top teams in the Western Conference earlier in the season. New England lost to Utah. That was at Utah. Earlier in the season, um, New England lost to San Diego. I think that was like round two or three or something like that or four. So this would be a a big win for New England against a a top Western Conference opponent. But I like Seattle at Starfire Stadium to win this one by three. So I agree with you, AKP. That's round 17. It's going to be fun. Love how it's spread over three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. AKP, it's my favorite segment. When we close out on the final thoughts from Alistair Kirschpool, please take it away. Well, welcome to the uh, playoffs, my friends. We've made it. It took us a few years, but we're here. And now we just need to grab that two seed so that playoff game happens here and not in New York. For Alistair Kirschpool, I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you next week to find out if Old Glory DC defamed the Houston Sabercats. Catch you next week.